Network, grow, create. New PR is hosted by UWGB PRSSA to take you deeper into conversations about internships and success tips by professionals locally and nationwide. Ask, listen, learn, act, share. Alas. I always heard the saying, it's not about what you know, it's about who you know. And I thought the best way to do that would be joining PRSSA, and I was right. Welcome to a new episode of New PR. Today we are joined with Max Delabru from Cousin Subs. Today we are joined with Raquel Lamel. She is an Emmy award-winning journalist turned PR pro. I sometimes wish I would have enjoyed college a little more. I was very, very career focused. But- These are just some of the professionals that we speak with on a bi-weekly basis. Ready to network? Let's go. Welcome to another episode of New PR. Today, Kate Egan, Training and Development Specialist at Fleet Farm, joins us. Kate is a UWGB comm grad and alumna of PRSSA. During her time at UWGB, she was a social media intern for the communications department, a comm week planning team member, and treasurer for PRSSA. Kate has come a long way since graduating. Today, we will speak on a variety of topics, including her experiences with PRSSA in college, her current career, and how training has changed during COVID-19, and why employees are so important for any business. Welcome to the show, Kate. Thanks. I'm excited to be here. Yes, we're happy for you to join us. Um, So a little bit I guess, getting our audience to know who you are, um, describe uh, who you are to our audience. Yeah, definitely. So obviously I'm 24 years old. I graduated from UW-Green Bay in 2019. I am originally from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. However, luckily in the past year and a half, I moved from Fond du Lac to Madison to now back to Green Bay. So um, I've been a lot (laughs) in the past year and a half and I'm excited to be back here in Green Bay with everyone. I am the youngest of five. Um, All my siblings are and I are very close to one another. I'm very thankful for all my siblings because, you know, they all taught me a little bit about, you know, who I want to be and a lot of the work ethics that I also wanted to, you know, really put forth for myself as well. I really think about it and looking back as far as like my work career, I started in the retail business um, as little as 14 years old. Um, I was bussing tables, working in a food business, and from there kind of developed myself in the retail world. And me personally, I really do enjoy the outdoors. Um, I really like snowmobiling, um, ATVing, hiking. You know, I enjoy fishing, just went ice fishing a couple Um, weeks ago, uh, just being outdoors and, you know, enjoying time with my family and friends are, you know, big passions of mine. So whenever I get the chance to do these things, I take the opportunities to do so. And if any of you guys or, you know, I know some of you already do follow me on LinkedIn, or if you ever do follow me on LinkedIn, you will know that a lot of my content revolves around inspirational quotes, because at the end of the day, Um, I'm a huge advocate for them because at the end of the day, I feel that they can impact people and impact, you know, the way that you see yourself, your career, and, you know, you know, the way that you want to develop yourself. So that's a little bit about me. 
Awesome. Yeah, I'm I'm also a person that loves inspirational quotes, especially when you're having like a long day or it's like Monday and you're like, oh, is this another week? It's really nice to pull up an inspirational quote, um, especially for those that work in the retail industry. I've been working in the retail industry as well. Um, I started a little bit later than you. So I started when I was 16. Um, but ultimately, we all know, no matter what industry, whether it be the retail, the restaurant, manufacturing, we always need those inspirational quotes some days. Exactly. <laughs> they definitely get me through my week. <laughs> yes. Um, so you graduated in 2019. What was college like uh, for you? Yeah, so let's kind of walk through it from the beginning. So I'm not going to lie to you guys. My freshman year was rough. Um, And to be completely transparent with you guys, I had a 1.9 GPA. I was on the verge of academic probation, going home every weekend. And I honestly felt that I may not have been very prepared for college or I really wasn't mentally prepared for college. Um, Because in high school, I really had close to a 4.0 GPA. I took honors classes. I was super involved. Um, So I'm not really sure, you know, what that next step kind of looked like. I was very confused and lost. Um, So from there, I actually took an intro to comm class with Professor Carr my sophomore year. And it wasn't because I piqued an interest in communication. Really, I was actually going for business. Um, Didn't do so well in that business class. So then I thought maybe teaching. So at this point in my life in college, I didn't know what or who I was going to be or what I was going to be doing. So my friend, my actual roommate at the time was like, hey, you should take this intro to comm class. You need a lecture anyway, so take this class with me. And, you know, me being a sophomore, being, hey, I want to take classes with people that I want to be friends with, said, sure. So I signed up for this course, not knowing anything about it or what I was going into. It changed my life. Um, I did extremely well in this class in, you know, intro to com. I know it's grown a lot since, you know, I've actually taken it, but it taught me, you know, the capabilities that communication has, the vast variety of jobs that you're able to get with communication and the different areas that you're able to focus in on is what really intrigued me. So then going forward, I continued to take more communication classes. And I actually took Elements of Media with Professor Bina in which um, I had the chance to do a project on data mining. And the reason why I remember this project so vividly is because some upperclassmen at the time came in for our project and hashed us with the worst questions that I ever could have you know, been a part of. And to me, I could have taken that and felt very discouraged, although I kind of was, not going to lie. Um, I kind of thought to myself, That is who I want to be. I am personally very much a person that will see someone who is the best in something that they do, whether it be a mentor or someone I look up to. And I really want to shoot to be that person. And I do it today even. So I took that experience (laughs) and I said, that's what I'm going to be. I'm going to get involved. And from there, I took my upperclassmen courses. I became a TA got involved in ComLeak, found any kind of outlets that I needed to do to be the most successful that I could in college. Um, And I think it really did set me up for success and, you know, is the reason that I'm in the position that I'm in today. Awesome. Uh, Yeah, I know I can go right off that in terms of saying getting involved really gives you opportunities. Like if I was a student and wasn't involved, 
I wouldn't be the person I am today, just like you. Um, and being a part of Com Week, being a part of PRSSA, being a TA, um, all like gives you skills that you will take into the workforce um, instead of just going to class day after day after day. And you meet a lot of friends that way as well. Um, so ultimately, students who are listening, it's great. And that's probably the thing that me and Kate would say the most is getting involved really gives you opportunities and is probably something I know, at least for me, was the best part about college. Exactly. And, you know, at the end of the day, the, the communication community at UWGB is, like I said, a community um, and also a competitive one as well. So I think those are two things that I really do enjoy about it as well. As, like you said, you create really great relationships. But at the end of the day, it also keeps you on your toes, too. Mm -hmm. So um, getting involved is so important, as we already said. Um, is there any kind of quote you could throw in there in terms of pushing people to get involved? <laughs> Definitely. So this is probably one of my favorite ones. And I think also really goes really hand in hand with why people should get involved, which is there is no elevator to success. You have to take the stairs. At the end of the day, you can't just ride to the top of an elevator and think that you're going to be successful. That's just not the case. You have to put everything in. You have to take every opportunity. You have to put every foot forward and in getting the internships and, you know, getting involved with your professors and, you know, creating those long lasting relationships with them in order to see the results that you want to see. You can't just take the ride to the top in your, you know, group projects that you're in and think, hey, me just being on the sidelines, you know, just getting along and, you know, getting that A is going to be good enough that I'm going to be successful going forward. Because what you put in now is truly what you're going to put forward after graduation, because things don't change unless you look at yourself and say, this is what I need to change. And it all starts with getting involved. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, most definitely. I know at the beginning of my college career, I wasn't really involved. I'm like, oh, I'm just going to do good in classes. And then I started doing PRSSA. I was a TA, um, did all these other opportunities. And now when I go in for interviews or when people approach me for internships, they look at everything you're involved with as well as um, your GPA, but ultimately they want to see that you're out there um, putting every step forward. Um, to make yourself better ultimately. And like just seeing a student that is involved and has good grades is a lot better than just seeing a student that has good grades ultimately. Exactly. And even if you have X, Y, or Z on your resume, that's awesome. That's cool. But really what resonates with people on the other end, you know, asking you those actual interview questions is how did that impact you today? And how has that made you grown as a professional and as an individual? Not just, I got involved in all these things, but truly, how has that developed you to be, you know, a leader or a professional going for a position? Awesome. Um, so, as we know, you were a very involved student, which means ultimately all involved comm students have to be in PRSSA. So why would you say people should get involved with PRSSA? Definitely. And I feel like people who ask this question relatively has the same answers because it's all true. So I think it's cool that we all basically have the same answers why people should join. Um, but to me, people should join PRSSA because you have the ability to build your personal skills. Um, we build personal 
skills throughout every kind of group project that we work on in communication. However, joining PRSA allows you to not only network with professionals, but also on the flip side, continue to build those personal skills as well. You're also able to get endorsements on LinkedIn. I think it's awesome if you think you have a certain skill set that when you network with somebody that you have met through PRSSA, that they may see that from you as well and they're able to endorse you um, when you're looking for a position and they're able to see that certain individuals endorse you in certain skill sets. That's a huge leverage, that's awesome. Um, another reason is that you have connections to those who share similar interests. I think it's awesome that you can come to a community and you all have something in common and you're able to share that. I know most of my roommates during college were all social workers and I was the odd duck. So it was cool to be able to go to these certain groups like PRSSA to share those similar interests and have that group time that people understood what I was saying. And you have the ability to hear other stories and their accomplishments as well as their struggles. That way you're able to connect to them. Maybe you're able to not only connect to them, but maybe know some things that you might want to take away to say, hey, I don't want to do that in an interview. I don't want to do that when I go into the job field, but you're able to take away their accomplishments and say, that's something I want to do as well, which is super cool. And also lasting relationships. I think me and you, Matthew, have been talking about this the whole time. Um, you're able to create those lasting relationships after college and um, continue to be part of this really great community. Yeah. I know lasting relationships. I'm still in college, but with people that graduated um, like yourself, Kate or Derek or um, Danny, I can all connect on LinkedIn. If I have a question or need a interview request or potentially are looking for internships, like it's great to have those connections that you made at UWGP specifically in PRSSA. Um, and then kind of going off of um, hearing other people's stories and accomplishments um, the thing that stands out to me the most, I think it was my first PRSSA meeting um, and everyone was just frightened of this class. And I'm like, well, what is this class? Like, why should people be scared of this class? And it, it was cases. And I'm like, oh, OK, which I'm finally taking cases this semester. But I'm like, OK, stress level is like top notch and people don't sleep and there's these clues Right. Um, no, that's like the story that stands out to me the most. <laughs> Same. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cases. There we go. Um, so since graduating, what have you been up to? Um, what is your current role at Fleet Farm and how did you get this role? Oh yeah. So this is always a fun story to talk about. So what have I been up to since graduation? Well, to be completely honest, I started at Fleet Farm while still going to college I started there in 2018, I believe. So the fall of uh, senior year and I was only cashiering. I was just a cashier for Fleet Farm, not honestly thinking that Fleet Farm was going to end up being my career. <laughs> um, however, after graduation, I was you know, stuck in this rut of what do I do now? I'm applying for jobs, I'm going to interviews, I'm getting denied, I still need a job, I still need to make income, X, Y, and Z, what do I do? So I continued working with Fleet Farm and customer service. Um, however, our HR manager in the store I was at had moved on to a different position. So his position was open. And I went up to the GM. I took it upon myself to actually go to the GM, little old, you know, 23-year-old me, and said, hey, look, like I went to school for, you know, business, communication, organizational communication. 
I really enjoy Fleet Farm. I think I would be really great in this role. What do I need to do to get there? Because to me, I wasn't a full-timer at the time. I wasn't a lead. I did not think this was going to be a position that they would just, you know, hire me for. So from there, um, we had a very great conversation and said, look, like looking at your resume and, you know, knowing the personality you have, I would like to set up an interview with you with our regional HR manager. Um, And so from there, I had a great interview with our regional HR manager and talked about why I felt was a great or a great candidate for this position and um, what the position entailed. And I had my training and I was offered my own store in Fond du Lac, Wisconsin. So um, I then became an HR business partner at the time. And then throughout the year, it was really great. I had the chance to help out at other stores, help open a new West Bend store with their HR manager. And then in the winter time, the HR manager in the divorce location had moved to Arizona for, um, you know, personal reasons. So I, again, took it upon myself to say, if you need any assistance covering that store, I'll do both, whatever that looks like, let me know. And I was able to cover both stores and was then promoted to the divorce store, which is a brand new Fleet Farm store, which was amazing, amazing team, amazing growth opportunity. It was cool. However, in that year, um, we actually created a whole new learning management system, which is how we train our team members. And I was part of the team to help build that, to help build the training material, to help build how the rollout was going to happen with our stores. And on top of that, we created an all new orientation program. I was also part of that team, which was really great. Um, It's a whole new experience for our team members. It's a two day orientation, including hands on. So it was a lot of um, implementation, a lot of planning, and a lot of delegating that we had to do. And then from there, COVID hit. So that was really exciting. (laughs) So on top of all these projects that I was a part of, COVID-19 occurred and delegating and all these different crazy things that were happening. And our training development specialist had actually, um, you know, stepped away due to personal reasons again. And I knew I was part of all these different projects. You know, I took on a new store. I'm very passionate about training development. And again, I went for organizational communication. I thought this was a really great fit for me. And I knew at the end of the day, I went to college to get into the corporate world. So I interviewed in July. I went through like five different interview processes. It was crazy. It was a seven month process. And then in January, Recently, like two months ago, I was offered the position as the training and development specialist for Fleet Farm, and I have now moved back to Green Bay, and I now work at the corporate office in Appleton. So it's been a crazy year. (laughs) It has. It definitely sounds like it. So note to self, you think you're busy in college, but you'll only get busier once you hit the career field. Awesome. Um, so I guess kind of go into, I, you, you described how you got to your current role, but if we want to take a day in the life um, of what your current role looks like, um, what would that be? Sounds good. So in the life of retail, no day is ever the same. However, I feel in the corporate world is a little bit different because it's a lot more structured, a lot more, you know, what's going to be happening day in and day out. We really kind of fall on what our calendar says. However, things do happen and we have to, you know, change what we have to do. However, day to day, it's a lot of meetings. Um, I do a lot of meetings with other areas of the business, whether it be operations, marketing, um, whether it be, you know, meetings with vendors who want to put certain training courses out or HR even. 
day to day, I probably have numerous amounts of meeting, whether it be um, like Zoom, we call it go to, but whether it be through, you know, online or face to face. So we have various ways that we have these different meetings. I also do a lot of reporting. So just because we put new training courses out, we need to make sure that we're reporting on those training courses to ensure that we can hold people accountable to do them. So I do a lot of reporting day in and day out to send out to the teams, any follow-up communication that needs to be done and ensure that our teams are completing, you know, our training courses in um, a decent time period. Also creating relationships. Honestly, I would say that ORCOM, <laughs> the classes with, um, you know, Dr. Clampett changed my life because in those classes, you really, you know, learned how to communicate to different personality types and different individuals. And at the end of the day, I have to do that. One day I might be talking to one of my partners on my ops team. The next day I'm going to be in an office talking to the COO. So you have to know and how, learn how to navigate to talk to those different types of people as well as learning how to communicate to different ranks of the business. I do awesome. a lot of presentations as well. Um, so I do a lot of presentations with, you know, the training managers, different areas of the business and a lot of budgeting too. So I'm lucky I was the treasurer for PRSSA because it all comes down to dollars and cents. Can't just spend all the money in the world. So we have to make sure that we're able to budget all the training that we want to do too. So Phil's saying of how you can get the most bang for your buck doesn't go away. <laughs> no, I use it every single day. I literally have it like on my desk. <laughs> uh, yeah, I remember Orcom and Orcom is what kind of prepared me for now. I'm in cases. Um, it gives you many cases and like it really gets you ready um, for a role like what you're currently in for any role in like a corporate um, position where you have to talk to either employees or your leadership team or people on the same team as you, or let's say you're maybe in operations or maybe marketing. It all depends. And you have to talk to those people differently sometimes. Um, and Orcom ultimately trained, I think, everyone that took it to properly do that. So we can't thank or calm enough for all those things that it did for us. <laughs> yes, agreed. Awesome. Um, so why is training important for a business and what are some challenges and successes you've had um, with it so far? Definitely. So let's just talk about why training really is important. So number one, you're able to tackle shortcomings. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, people are going to leave a business or, you know, their career because of lack of training. Um, you're able to tackle shortcomings in different areas of the business if you need to say, hey, we need to focus on this area because of they're struggling in X, Y, or Z. So every single day, you're able to take into account what those shortcomings are and enhance those with your training efforts. Second thing is performance improvement. I mean, you can't hold somebody accountable. You can't hold a review with somebody, you know, yearly if they have no training. You have no development processes for them. You want them to be successful in their position and be able to gain that buy-in from them. So you need to, you know, actually invest in the tools and the time and the capabilities to train them and, and see their performance improve. Training is also important because employee satisfaction. I mean, at the end of the day, without the employees, you don't have a business. On the flip side, without our customers, you don't have a business either. So we need to ensure that we accurately and most efficiently train our team members and our management staff so that on the flip side, we're able to assist our customers 
you're also able to see increased productivity because if somebody's going to have lack of training, they're going to just be wandering around, not really knowing what to do and possibly even feel that they can ask the right questions or even know how to ask the right questions. So with training comes increased productivity. Um, also money. I mean, with increased training and, you know, increased productivity, employee satisfaction, we're able to assist our customers, get the items on the shelf in the right way. We're able to run our processes 110%, which means that's going to drive money to the business. So there's definitely a return on investment if you have, you know, the best training efforts put forward. And also training is a culture to a company. I mean, every single company that somebody works for has a different way of training because, you know, that's part of their culture. Um, so, you know, at the end of the day, training is a culture and it builds what your company culture really is too. But on the other hand, I want to talk about what the challenges are. So number one is gaining the buy-in. Some people might think, I don't have the time for that. I don't see the importance of it. So on and so forth. At the end of the day, gaining buy-in is always going to be a struggle. Second thing is going to be communicating through the right channel. I mean, you really have to know whether it's going to be a conference call, face-to-face -face meeting, um, an email, which you're going to get the communication right. Because if there's any miscommunication, which Matthew, you and I both know happens, <laughs> you have to know how you can react to it. Another challenge is ensuring training will be beneficial to the correct audience. You can't just put a PowerPoint on the screen and think that's going to be training material that is going to be retained. You have to know who your target audience is and ensure that you're creating the most beneficial training for that target audience so that you know that they're going to retain the information. Another challenge is communicating to the right groups of people. So, you know, maybe one day I'm talking to the ops team on a sporting goods training that we want to put out. However, that's probably not going to be my best group of people that I want to have on this call. So I need to make sure that I loop in some of our sporting goods vendors so that we know the right, you know, tools or, you know, merchandising or marketing or verbiage that we need to use in our training so that obviously we are being accurate in the most way. And also another challenge is accountability. Again, going into the, I don't have time for it. I didn't know it was a thing. Um, accountability is always going to be a challenge, making sure that we're holding our teams accountable for doing the training. Um, let's talk about some of our successes though. So honestly, with our new learning management system that we have at Fleet Farm, it's a huge success for us. We have so many different variety of ways we're able to put out training that it's just been great for us and seeing the improvement in training has been remarkable to see. Another success is that we are growing the training culture. I feel personally that when I started with Fleet Farm, training wasn't always just a buy-in. So um, since I've gotten into role and even before that, we have really grown our training culture as a whole. So that's really great. Another success is the daily reporting. With daily reporting comes reaction. So if we know that stores are failing in some areas, we're able to react to that, which is great due to the daily reporting stats. And also another success is creating a relationship with the entire business. I have personally been able to create relationships with general managers, regionals, executives, HR training managers in the field. So it's really great to build those relationships because without those relationships, you're not gonna get the buy-in. And at the end of the day, 2020 was a really successful year. It was a super challenging year, but it was a successful year for our company. And um, with that being said, I'm very excited to say or see what 2021 has to bring for us in our training efforts. 
Awesome. Yeah. So training definitely after you describe that um, seems very complex, but very important um, ultimately for any company to succeed. Uh, so that's important, but ultimately as many companies know um, training was a little different this past year um, with COVID and it was different for everyone, not just companies, but how did uh, would you say training changed during COVID-19? Did it make it easier, harder? Um, were there new techniques? Kind of just dig into that and describe that a little bit. Definitely. So generally every year we hold a conference for not only our general managers, but also our HR t- training managers. So that yearly conference is usually face-to-face. It's really great. It's super cool because you're able to build on those relationships. However, due to COVID-19, that was a no-go. So in twenty. 20- in 2020, we actually sent out our new learning management system. We had to train out the entire new system through a Zoom, or I would say a go-to through a webinar. So was that the best channel that we were able to train out a whole new learning management system in? No, but we were able to strategically, you know, kind of plan and navigate those challenges um, and we're able to record. So we're able to go back and view those. So uh, I think with the, tools and resources we had at that time, we were able to train it out the best we could. We also have to have socially distanced orientation sessions. So generally speaking, in a conference room, you're able to fit 20 people. Now you're only able to fit 10 people. So coming, you know, quarter four, which is like Black Friday, holiday season, you're hiring on 40, 50, 100 people, depending on your um, store volume, you're going to have smaller orientations, which means more orientations, which means more hours. Um, more hours you have to budget into your, um, you know, into your schedules. So at the end of the day, the socially distanced orientations kind of were a challenge for our stores. We also had challenges with limitations of videography and meetings. Like I said, we aren't able to host as many face-to-face meetings. We had to put a halt on videography for a while due to COVID-19. But now that things are more, you know, getting more normalized, we're able to kind of navigate what those challenges are. Um, We're seeing more of you know, having the ability to kind of use more of those resources now, meaning the face-to-face meetings and using our videography contract. Awesome. Uh, yeah, definitely. I, at the beginning of COVID, I'm like, oh, how long is this going to be happening for? And now we're finally seeing the end of the tunnel, hopefully. Right. Um, I, I can't imagine how complex um, releasing the learning management system was um, through not face-to-face. I know I work for a company, uh, Cousin Subs, and we released it years ago, but ultimately it was a lot of hands-on and walking through these different situations um, because it was literally taking them from uh, on-the-job training to ultimately virtual training too, um, and kind of going through that. And usually with new systems like that, Ultimately, it takes a lot. It takes a richer form of communication, which is done through a face-to-face channel. Um, so ultimately, that's amazing that you guys were able to uh, push that out. And ultimately, I guess it was good because now you have an LMS and people can't go face-to-face. So ultimately, they can get their training um, done in a virtual environment. So that that's a plus. <laughs> Very much so. Yes. Um, so... Ultimately, all day today, all during this podcast, we were talking about the employee in training. Um, Why would you say the employee is the most important part of any business? 
Definitely. So I wanted to walk through this with you guys. Um, so give me one second. So let's talk about these statistics. So personal growth and development in the workplace. 94% of employees would stay at a company if it invested in the career. 94%. 56 employees would take a suggested course by their manager. One reason employees feel held back from learning is because they don't have enough time. 70% of employees indicated that job-related training and development opportunity influenced their decision to stay at a job. And then 74% of employees felt that they weren't achieving their full potential due to a lack of development opportunities. 74% of employees felt that they weren't achieving their full potential due to a lack of development opportunities. Why are employees most important? At the end of the day, they are the ones who make our company go around. With our without our employees, we don't have a job. And like I said earlier, same thing to our customers. If our employees can't help our customers, our customers won't come back. We're not able to retain either. We go out of business at the end of the day. These statistics are huge. If we aren't investing in our employees, in their development, and in their training, why would they care about the company, right? So if we put forth every effort, you know, every single tool, every single resource to allow them to develop themselves and to train and, you know, feel comfortable in their position, that is going to help our retention. And at the end of the day, that is, that is our goal. Even in HR, even as a GM, you want to retain your employees. You want them to continue with you and your business. And one thing I will say is that I'm very lucky to work with a company that has been open since 1955 and has always invested in their employees. And in the end, we have many 10-year employees who have been working with us since they were 16 and end up retiring with us, which is amazing to see their growth and development throughout those years. So at the end of the day, that we need to make sure that our employees feel valued um, because without them, we won't have a business. Yeah, I can't agree with that more. Um, I currently work for a company and we... We're, we say that the employee is the greatest asset uh, to us, ultimately. And I work in the restaurant industry, high turnover rate. And ultimately, it's hard to keep people. But if you provide them opportunities, everyone that walks in our door, whether it be a new employee that's looking to just get money for a car or somebody that's looking to just stay with us through college or somebody that's looking to stay with us through ultimately until they retire, like they're looking to grow. Um, and that's what keeps them around more than money sometimes is just giving them opportunities to grow, to move up, to better themselves. Um, and yeah, these stats that you just described to us, I, they're, they're like, wow, those are big numbers, but it makes sense. Um, yeah. And then, if you had, I guess, kind of wrapping up today's discussion, if you had one success tip for a student about to graduate, what would that be? So I feel like this is like 5,000 tips in one. <laughs> so <laughs> bear with me. So at the end of the day, you guys don't give up. I was in your shoes. I talked about it that I have been denied by countless amount of positions that I interviewed for. Um, but please just use those no's as reasons to continue. Use resources to better yourself, to better your resume and how you interview. You're going in an interview and they're saying no for a reason. So you need to come out of that interview and take a step back and say, what do I need to do to improve on myself um, so that the next person will say a yes. However, 
do not say yes to you the first job that recruits you. Do your research and understand the company from the top down before accepting it. But again, more than anything, and I stress this to the end of the world, is that your happiness and your idea of success is the most important factor when signing a letter of acceptance. Because people work a nine to five because it's a job, which is great, but it also is a huge thing to enjoy your job, to love your job, to be passionate about your job, because then you're going to see, um, you're going to see great things happen at the end of the day. But at awesome. the end, I'm not going to lie that we all have bad days though. <laughs> Sometimes we hate our jobs too, <laughs> which is okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, I can't agree with that more. Um, ultimately I love what I do currently, but I'm chasing my passion and ultimately you have to love what you do. Don't take the first job that you see on there. And I know some people aren't lucky like that, that need to take the first job just because they ultimately need a job after college. But if you wait for that job that you've been waiting for, um, that you went to college for, that goes along with your passion, um, it'll eventually bring you happiness. And that's good. That's our goal. Um, that's why I went back to college ultimately is to chase my passion and to find that job and get that job that I ultimately wanted. Um, and it sounds like I know when we were in class, Kate, um, or when we went to PRSSA meetings, I could tell that you loved to do training and you were always a happy person. Like you would come in and you're like, this is what we have to do. And it's going to be a happy fun night because, uh, we're just going to get it done. We're going to have fun and we're going to be successful. And ultimately that's, that was great. Um, I know I remember this one. It was, I think it was the last PRSSA event. And we had like Chartwell's brought in a whole bunch of food on a buffet. Thing. And I'm like, Oh my God, are we going to eat all this? Um, but we did. Um, and ultimately I didn't know where we all were all going to be in the next three years. And it's cool to see people that when I started college are now in corporate America, ultimately, um, at the corporate office, like yourself, um, Derek is a marketing manager. And then, um, Sarah is working as a news producer at WLUK, um, but it's just cool to see everyone move up from where we were in the comm department and chase their dreams, chase their passions. And ultimately that brings them happiness uh, in life and will push them forward. Exactly. Yes. So thank you, Kate, for joining us today out of your busy schedule. And I hope to have you on the podcast in the future. Uh, so thank you. Thank you for having me. Bye-bye. Bye. Like what you heard? Make sure to share this podcast with a friend and rate us on Apple Podcasts. After that, follow UWGB PRSSA on Instagram and Facebook. And if you are itching to get involved, please visit us at UWGBPRSSA.com. Until next time, continue to network with professionals and grow your skill set to create your story.